Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Unplayable Podcast coming to you from Pune, India, ahead of the first test between Australia and India on Thursday. On today's episode, we're going to review Australia's test tour so far and preview the opening match, and we couldn't do that without cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey. Hello, old boy. How have you settled into the subcontinent? It's pretty much as I left it a decade or so ago, Sam. Um, I'm sure there are some things that have changed, but a lot of things that haven't. <laughs> That's right. Pune's changed. You were Pune 13 Pune years ago, a, 14 years ago. A sleepy little metropolis when I was last here. It's now a high-rise, uh, booming in the university town and uh, the new stadium as well, which I hadn't seen until today, and it's very impressive. Okay, we'll start with Australia's Qantas tour of India. Went to Dubai first for a, uh, a pre-tour camp. They had an intra-squad match there. Rambo, from all reports, their preparation couldn't have been any better. It's interesting, uh, it's not quite the boot camp, but it's uh, the the pre-tour training camp that uh, has been it's a bit rare, really, isn't it? You go somewhere else, it's not the country you're playing in to, to get ready for an overseas tour, but I think they wanted to uh, have a little bit of control over the preparation, the conditions that they'd get. Uh, the players have all spoken glowingly of what they got out of it. Uh, they worked on a few things. Um, I think it was just a bit of a bonding thing as well to get the squad together, seeing as there's some fairly new faces mm. in amongst it all. So um, from all reports, it was a, a very positive experience, but I guess we judge that against the uh, the backdrop of a test series and retrospectively see how well it did prepare them. Well, they quickly moved to India after that, Mumbai, where they played a three-day tour match against India Ray. Uh, quick summary of that game, Rambo Australia batted first in that match and made... Seven declared for 469 from 127 overs. Sean Marsh and Steve Smith made retired out centuries. Mitch Marsh, 75, and Matthew Wade, 64. Rambo, you were there. What did you take out of that? First innings by the Australians. I probably couldn't have asked for much of a better start. Batting first. Uh, yeah, first thing was they probably got a pitch that they're not going to see the likes of again on this tour. It had a fair bit of grass on it, um, mm. which is not, I don't think it was a ploy to uh, try and unsettle them. I think that's pretty much how pitches are at Brabourne Stadium, the home of the historic cricket club of India. Um, certainly the uh, one of the key things they've talked about coming into this tour was batting for 150 overs that's the benchmark for their first innings and they would have done that if they had two guys retire out and Steve Smith declared it seven down with their 127 overs in so they would have ticked that box um, the fact that Smith and Marsh made hundreds is probably not surprising given they are probably the two best performed batsmen in subcontinental conditions or Asian conditions yeah um, and the fact that uh, Mitch Marsh got runs was useful too because as Darren Lehman said after the game, you know, his record in Sri Lanka with the bat was reasonable and there wasn't too many that were reasonable on that tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they quite like his batting uh, in subcontinent conditions. He's uh, He played a very patient innings, which was uh, not often his go. He's a bit of a power hitter, so he batted for you know, more than three hours for his uh, 75. So um, they would have got most things they wanted out of that. The only person who probably didn't get a start was Matt Renshaw, and he even he batted for an hour and a half to make 11. So yep. um, that probably uh, they would have walked away from their first innings reasonably happy. I guess Renshaw's selection maybe 
showed the Australians playing their hand a little bit with no Kwaja in that team. Rambo, do you think that's probably what they're going for in that first test? We saw Kwaja was a little bit isolated at training today, didn't participate with the main group a whole lot and was focusing by himself a lot against the NAP spinners. Uh, do we see that way the Australians are going to go with Renshaw in ahead of Kwaja? It would seem to be that, that way. Um, Darren Lehman said after the game that it was probably a three-way battle for the opening two opening spots with Warner, Renshaw and Kawaja, his name thrown in there. He's not renowned as an opener. No. His did he get 100 record, the last time he opened the batting? He did get 100 last time, but that was just more through a poor timing than <laughs> a, a batting order change, I yep. think. Um, his record in Asia isn't outstanding, um, but he's not alone there. Uh, and... The fact that uh, Matthew Renshaw came into that game, you'd have to read a fair bit into that. I mean, they wouldn't have, if they wanted to give Usman some batting time in these conditions prior to the test, he would have played, you'd have to think. So yep. Unless they wanted to give Matt Renshaw, a, who has never played in India before, an early look at what conditions are, thinking that Usman knows what he's going to get. That might be the counter-conspiracy thing. Yes, yep, that's right. Uh, you met touching it with Steve Smith and, and Sean Meister. They're a class above in Asian conditions in this squad at the moment, aren't they? And... I mean, Marsh is coming off that uh, big century scored in Sri Lanka. They both are scoring centuries in their last test matches in Asia. So while I think a lot of focus will probably be on Smith and Warner, Sean Marsh is going to be right up there with them. I think so. I hear people are saying that Warner and Smith are the keys to the series, but you have to think that Sean Marsh now looms as one as well. If he's going to bat possibly at three, maybe at four. Um, and he has just got a technique that suits these conditions. Like He plays the ball late, but he's, he doesn't overhit the ball. He's got such good timing. Um, and seems pretty sure in his footwork. Um, you'd have to think that uh, he, if he and Smith get runs, then Australia probably have their best chance or a better chance than they would have had uh, the yeah. many, many weeks ago when people were saying they were no chance here. And his brother, Mitchell Marsh, missed out in that SCG test. Uh, Hilton Cartwright had the all-rounder spot, then the seam bowling all-rounder spot. We don't know which way they're going to go for this test match, but if they're going to pick a, a, a third seamer, it would seem that Mitch Marsh now has pretty much got that spot back uh, it would seem so, yeah. They played Glenn Maxwell in the tour game as well, who would be the other, if they were looking at playing a spin bowling all rounder, perhaps he would come into the equation. But the fact that he batted at eight behind Mitch Marsh in the and behind Matt Wade in the first innings and only bowled six overs um, would tend to suggest that they're probably not seriously considering that option. I think you know, Darren Lehman has indicated in the past he likes having a third seamer mm. just in case one of them breaks down, in case... Reverse swing becomes a factor, which they keep talking about, um, and Mitch Marsh is reasonably proficient at that. So, I How did he go? He opened the ball with Jackson Bird. How did he go in that match? Did he get it to, to reverse a he bit? He bowled a very good opening spell, two overs, before he was taken off and Nathan Lyon came on. Um, right. his, his first nine overs are very good. Uh, by the time he came back for his sort of second or third spell on the the final day of the tour match, the, uh, the India A uh, tail... Uh, well, their number three and the, the tail ender were taking the long handle a bit, so he, he copped a bit more punishment then. And the ball wasn't doing much in the air in that, uh, on that wicket. It was a bit off the seam early on because uh, of the grass, but there was nothing happening in the air. It was fairly lush outfield and it wasn't roughing up, so he didn't have too many tricks to play with. But he bowled reasonably well, um, uh, tidy, and uh, probably did his chances of being in the first test team no harm. And just finally on that first inning, Matthew Wade, he got 64. What about his back? Is it, it looked like he was injury-free, moving freely out there? No, he looked he looked fine. Um, he was could have been run out from the first ball he faced. I think he sort of dropped it uh, into the infield and was called through for a very quick single and two had to take off and could have been run out. So that if anything was going to test it, something like that would have. He was yeah. fresh out of the sheds after uh, a lot of time sitting and watching. 
Um, and then when he was keeping, he didn't show any inconvenience with the the back. He has assured us early in the tour that it's good to go. It's a he had a cortisone jab back in Australia before mm. he joined the Dubai training camp, and uh, that settled everything down. And he's uh, reasonably confident he can get through the tour without it flaring again. He's okay, and if he does suffer an injury, Peter Hanksom's there to take the gloves if necessary. That's right. He's a reluctant uh, standing wicketkeeper. I think he just would much rather see Matt Wade do it for the entirety, but he's there as a backup as opposed to a backstop. He's right. <laughs> so India all out for 403 in reply. Shreyas Iyer, am I saying that right, Rambo? Uh, Shreyas Iyer, yes. Shreyas Iyer made 202, not out, off 210 balls. He really went to town on uh, the Australians. And Kay Gautham, 74 off 68 down the bottom order. The Australians bowling figures, Nathan Lyon, 462 from 28.5 overs. And Steve Kay for three for 101 from 24. So I guess the uh, the alarming thing there is Rambo is just the run rate. The the Indians got those 403 at a fair clip. Yes, they did. Um, they uh, Shreyas E is quite an interesting. He's a 22 year old who looks about 15. Um, he was given a little bit of a verbal working over by the Australians. He wasn't uh, too shy to reveal that after he made his first hundred. Uh, so they were t- telling him that he had no forward defensive shot or no defensive shots at all and that they were just a matter of time before they got him out. Um, a day and a half later, they didn't get him out. Nope. He had 202. Uh, as you say, he's got a fair degree of confidence. He played a lot of uh, lofted drives into the crowd, even though there wasn't one. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is a fairly small ground and there wasn't a lot of turn because it was a, a greenish pitch but it had a bit of grass on it, but there wasn't much spin in it. And whatever turn they did get was quite slow. So... Um, he was able to dine out on that. Uh, and as Nathan Lyon said before, playing in tour games, you're in a hiding to nothing as a spinner. People, batsmen who've got nothing to yeah. lose just come at you. And if he miss hit, mishits one, which um, Kay Gautham did when he was on to 14, and Glenn Maxwell somehow managed to drop probably the easiest catch you'll see, in, uh, certainly on this tour, on the mid-wicket fence, um, then you've missed that chance and away they went. And they put on 100 um in, in less than half a session, I think, before between the start of the play and lunch on that day. So uh didn't do a lot for the confidence of the Australians, I don't think, but they realised it for what it was, which was uh, just glorified centre-wicket net practice without the net. Yeah, and there was no Mitchell Stark or Josh Hazelwood either for years to, to come up against. So, I mean, if those two play, I'm sure his innings would have been completely different. Uh, what about on, on Nathan Lyon? He's talked about watching a lot of Ravi Ashwin bowl. He's number one bowl in the world, Ashwin, so there's probably no one better to, to look at. Rambert, did you notice anything different about him in Mumbai that would say that he has uh, taken on a bit of that Ashwin? Oh, yes, he's going to Karom ball. No, actually, no, that's not true. That was a, a complete lie. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure what the Karom ball is. Um, there's, a, there's small variations he's made. He bowled a lot more uh, over the wicket than as was his way during the Australian summer. He tend to attack the right-handers. He used to quite like going round the wicket when there was a bit of turn. Um, but he seems to have uh, developed... The, he's bowling a bit less over the top, a bit less overspin. Um, yep. There was a couple of his two wickets that he got. He got the first two wickets of the India A innings, um, one of which was a pretty sharp catch at short leg from a ball that did jag back on a pitch that wasn't giving a lot of spin. So you have to think that um, if he can get that against a pretty talented young Indian lineup who see a lot of spin, then there's something going right. Um, mm. the, the, I think the worry is that if bowlers go after him and batters go after him like they did uh, in the tour game that he does tend to go back to his um, original plan and fires him in a bit flatter and faster and that kind of feed, feeds into their hitting zones as it was so um, it's pretty hard to be patient and uh, tolerant when you're getting flogged like that but uh, yeah. he looked pretty uh, pretty good and I, I think 
the feedback from the Australian team was that they were happy, certainly with his first day's bowling. Um, Steve O'Keefe took a while to uh, get into it. He was a bit expensive in his first few overs, but he probably hasn't done a lot of bowling in match conditions for a while. Um, and by the end of it, he was had picked up a couple of wickets as well. So um, they look certainly tidy without being super threatening, but not really spin conditions. And the second innings, only a quick one, 36 overs for the Australians, 4 for 110 they finished up. The match, Warner made 35 from 49. Renshaw, he added 10 to go with his 11 in the first innings, and Peter Hanscom, 37 to go with his 45 in the first dig. Renshaw, he had a double failure in that match, but as you said, he batted a lot of time out there. What do you think that's going to do to his confidence heading into that first test if he gets selected? Um, yeah, probably the only thing that he, he missed out on, apart from a, a score, was... Uh, batting against the spin um the india a had a three-pronged seam attack and they pretty much dominated the first session by which time of the first day when renshaw was out so he only got to play against the seamers then when he came in the second innings he only lasted uh, 10 or 11 balls i think so he was out to the seamers again um didn't get a look at the spin so uh, his capacity against uh, the spinning ball on turning pitches is sort of as yet unproved in these in this part of the world um but yeah he did bat a long period of time in the or 90 minutes or so in the first innings and he played and missed a lot but he does that he did that in Adelaide yeah. against South Africa in his first test and it doesn't seem to phase him you never quite know if he is playing genuinely or whether he's just leaving the bat out of the way uh, very surreptitiously for those of us who aren't experts think that he's missed yeah. it um, and it doesn't seem to phase him either way so uh, perhaps that's a good sign he can uh, he's got the temperament for the subcontinent where they say patience is two-thirds of the battle maybe more Maybe more. Uh, Rambo, I didn't, obviously wasn't there, but I got some uh, highlights from cricket.com.au and uh, saw a fiery, fiery spill of fast bowling towards Peter Hanscom. Uh, a couple of bounces, a bit of verbal uh, bit of verbal banter between the bowler and the batsman there, and then a, an edge. I think that it was either dropped or went through the slips. Um, Hanscom getting a life there. How did he handle the short stuff? They came around the wicket at him. You know, he's got that technique where he sits deep in the crease. He plays late is that something that the Indian quicks depending on how many play in this test series that can, can try and go after Hanscom uh, it looked like a bit of a plan but then again um, apparently the uh, the bowler concerned was a bit of a hothead and one told uh, he didn't mind having a bit of a yap even in domestic games um, as near as I can work out uh, apparently the part of the problem was that he uh, the Indian a people thought that the fact that he plays so deep in his crease meant he was too scared to get on the front foot so they thought uh, they'd give him a few around the ears and then ask him why he was only had back foot shots. Uh, didn't seem to worry Peter Hanscom too much. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you have to think that uh, there's a couple of things they tried to Hanscom in that game that seemed to suggest that there are some blueprints being made. That, that short bowling, there was the two fielders sort of in the wandering through the slip cordon who were set quite deep to try and stop that little glide he likes to play yeah. off the back foot when he's uh, needs to have a release shot or something so just to keep him on strike or let him know that they've worked out what his uh, preferred option is so um, they've obviously done a bit of homework and I don't think that uh, the Australians will be even though they've got some fresh faces they're not going to come in here as uh, complete unknowns as we know Rambo homework is very important in India. in India in India Ask the mob from 2013. They'll be able to tell you about that. So the team travelled to Pune. Uh, we had a first look at the pitch today, Rambo. And I've got to say, we both were out there for a little bit. It was a strange one. We're not pitch experts by any means, but a sort of a strange colour. There was a bit of grass sort of thrown on there. or sort of a muddy green. I'm not really sure uh, how you describe it. There's a bit of plate-like cracking in there. Um, you spoke to the curator. What do you reckon? What are, what's the, uh, what's the um, diagnosis of this wicket? I think the curator's 
description of it is i think it was it struck me as being like a parent describing a young child's artwork he could see things in it that other people perhaps with a keener <laughs> eye struggled oh it's beautiful to find. it's beautiful Andrew. he uh talked about the fact that it'll have good bounce it'll be fast the ball will fly he said as he waved one hand extravagantly in the air and he's a former india fast bowler himself um so he knows the craft he he maintains that if he was playing on this pitch uh, at pune he would the game wouldn't go past four days, um, bearing in mind he's 67 <laughs> and has just lost 50 kilos in weight over the last two years. It's, it's difficult him. to imagine what he w- assistance he was going to get from that surface. Um, mm. But you talk to the Australian players who had a look at it who know much more about pitches than you and I. and uh, Yes. They seem to be convinced to a person that it was going to take spin, take spin quite early in the test, um, that it'll break up because it's, uh, for, for want of a better description, it's... Uh, mottled mosaic and muddy as you said muddy, um, yes uh, it's a bit of alliteration um there's some suggestions that it balls may even go through the top early on uh, i think someone said today josh hazelwood might have mentioned that uh so the jury's out a bit on what the pitch is going to do the the curator said that uh, it'll hold together it won't crack up it won't break up um, people who know the ground say it'll be a good batting pitch for the first two days, as it traditionally is here. Uh, and then the wear and tear on the surface, rather than it falling apart, will lend some help to the spinners. The one consistent element of all this is that no one thinks it'll offer much seam movement. Um, and I don't think there's going to be much swing because it's fairly dry air mm. and quite hot here. And it's a But the fact that there's a big centre-wicket block that's got practice pitches on it means the ball might get roughed up and start reversing. So... Reverse swing, maybe. Great bounce and carry, if you believe the curator. Uh, no bounce and spin, if you believe the Australian. So somewhere in the middle lies the truth. Well, let's hear from those Australians now. We were fortunate enough to speak to a handful of them today, and here's what they thought about the pitch. Oh, it's, it looks like a you know, spinning, spinning paradise, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to spin. Um, you know, I've never been really been good at assessing conditions so I'm just going to go with what everyone says in India I think it'll spin I think it'll stay pretty low I think it'll be pretty slow and I think it'll reverse swing I think you've covered everything that India will have there so there's not much grass on it as you'd expect but I think when the guys looked at it today they weren't surprised which is a good feeling so they this is what we've come prepared for and what we expect so the guys are in, um, you know didn't think too much of it they looked at it and went yeah this is what this is what we're trained for so here we are Seems like it'll be a typical Indian wicket. Um, you know, it might be nice to bat on for a day, maybe two days, but then it's going to be it's going to be tough, and we, we know that in these conditions. Um, we're expecting a spinning wicket, and uh, we'll assess the conditions once we're out there, and, and obviously try and stick to our game plans. But I think we're pretty happy with it. Interesting looking wicket. Uh, I think it's going to spin a fair bit. Um, I think it could. Well, the word is it could shoot through a bit low, um, pretty early on in the game. So stump to stumps, obviously key for the quicks, as as you would think in India. Rambo, does this pitch mean there might be a shake up to the Australian eleven now? If, it, if the Australians are pretty convinced that it's going to spin a lot, does that mean that maybe they play a third spinner, that the the number six does go to someone like a Maxwell or a, an Agar, or do they drop one of the fast bowlers and only play one specialist, maybe just Mitchell Stark and then put Agar or Swepson in there? How do you think that might? affect the, the team balance or they're going to sort of go in there and think right oh well they might go with the, the the attack that seems plausible from this far out which is Marsh, Stark, Hazelwood, O'Keefe and Lyon. Uh, yeah, the coach who's also a selector seemed reasonably confident at the end of the tour game that they knew what their 11 would be and it would take something pretty 
remarkable, staring them in the face at Pune to have them change their mind. I don't know if that was what they saw was remarkable or just uh, downright ugly. <laughs> but um, you'd have to think that uh, the spin options, the extra spin options that they have up their sleeve haven't played much competitive cricket of late. Uh, that could come into their thinking. Mm. If they didn't, because they only had the one warm-up game and it was a first-class game and you couldn't rotate players through, they didn't have Ashton Agar or Mitchell Swepson involved. Um, Glenn Maxwell had limited involvement, you know, didn't get much of a bat, didn't get much of a bowl, and uh, you'd have to think that if he was to come in and play, he'd be a little bit underdone. Um, so is it, unless they think that it's absolutely going to turn from ball one, uh, I think they'd probably stick with the original plan of the, the three seamers and the two spinners. But yeah, it is two days out from the test, and what they see tomorrow um, might change their thinking if they think that it is just going to turn, whether they think a Maxwell or even Agar, uh, if you've got two left yeah. arm finger spinners then, um, that might be too much of the same. But uh, I think we'll know more this time tomorrow. Maybe everything. Who knows? Uh, well, let's focus on the strengths of Australia Rambo. Uh, and as we said before, lot's going to be on the, the leadership of, of Smith and, and Dave Warner, the number one and number five ranked test batsmen in the world, respectively. Those two, if Australia are going to have success, Davis Aker has said that uh, the senior players need to stand up if Australia are going to win this series or compete in this series. And it starts with those two. How important are those two guys for Australia? Oh, integral, I think, is the probably a term that comes to mind um, especially Warner I think Smith is probably a bit of a given in these conditions he'll he'll make a score or two um, be a, a prized wicket for the Indians but Warner is the guy that can uh, whose recent overseas test record hasn't been super he would admit that um, but he has been in amazing form in Australia both one day cricket and test cricket over the last few months the reigning Allen Border medalist uh, if, if I'm correct in my Jewel. recall yep and has jewels. Um, so he, the fact that he can score quickly, uh, he can probably put a little bit of doubt in the mind of the Indians. If he gets away, they know what he can do. Um, these are grounds he can score very quickly on. Um, they're very fast outfields. They're not huge boundaries. Um, so if he gets going, he gets in. He's the sort of guy that could make you know, 180 in a day uh, of test cricket. And if you can do that on first over series, first over test match, you kind of set the game up a bit. So and it also gives a little bit of a, a buffer for the guys coming in down the order, you know, Sean Marsh and Smith as you mentioned. Um, if they're not coming in at two, three for not many, the the game changes completely and that hundred and fifty over benchmark and those scores of around six hundred, six fifty that the Australians have in mind aren't uh, quite so problematic. It's gonna be tough for Warner to sort of wrestle his natural in- instincts because he's such an aggressive player and he's been one of the players, the Reverend preaching that the players must Bat with well, the batsman must bat with patience and bat big and bat long periods, but his game plan is all about going there and, and see ball, hit ball, and scoring runs quickly. So I guess it's going to be might be a little bit of a challenge for him to be able to just rein it in at times because we know how destructive he can be in such a short space of time. Yeah, he certainly looked that way in the tour game. He, he's thirty five in the first innings when he looked pretty comfortable. There was uh, there was very few big shots in that. He was intent on sort of punching the ball into the gaps and using that big bat that he's got to uh, time it into the to the rope. Um, if they attack him with short ball, he may be tempted to play a few big shots. Uh, they may have taken a leaf out of the South Africans' book, who uh, bowled a rank, wide, swinging, first over ball at him in Hobart. There's and an idea. To nick him off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so th- there might be 
that comes into their thinking. But he, he's given the impression that he's uh, knuckled down and really wants to stay there the distance. Um, it's probably going to be tricky for him if he's um, batting opening with Matt Renshaw, who's not a prolific scorer. So whether he feels the pressure to get the scoreboard ticking along if his partner at the other end is getting a little bit bogged down, that may be something that plays on his mind. But uh, you'd have to think that the, the Reverend at this stage may be... Uh, heeding some of his own sermons. Yeah. Uh, another strength of the Aussies is their seam attack. Hazelwood's the number three bowling world. Stark, number 10. Stark had that terrific series in Sri Lanka, 24 wickets at not many. Remember, if they do end up playing those two seamers, who knows how many India will play, depending on how the wickets uh, uh, turn out. But if Australia plays Stark and Hazelwood, I think automatically they've got an advantage with the new ball or with the, the fast bowls anyway. Well, it's true. I think Josh Hazelwood said today that uh, the way Mitchell Stark bowls the new ball, it kind of takes the pitch out of the equation in a lot of ways because he can land that Yorker and get it to swing in most conditions when it's new. Um, and in pretty much every innings in Sri Lanka, he knocked over one of their top order or two of their top order batters very early in the piece and gave them the start that they wanted, um, but just that they couldn't quite push their way through the bottom half of the order. So uh, if he can do that, if he can nip out a couple of top-order India batters for you know, single-figure scores and get a little bit of panic in the dressing room. Um, then you've got the Hazelwood who's there, to, as he said, just to, to kind of play the McGrath role, for want of a better term, to dry it up. Um, McGrath was incredibly successful in India just because he bowled that tricky length that batsmen couldn't get away and they start to look for boundaries, start to play shots that aren't there. The crowd starts to get restless, they feel the pressure. So yeah, between the two of them, they they probably loom as the, the trump card for Australia in the bowling stakes. I think the fielding is where Australia has an advantage because they take a lot of pride, they put a lot of effort into their fielding. And we've got someone like Glenn Maxwell who, depending on the conditions, we don't know how much he's going to play in the series. But if they need to get a super sub fielder on, there's perhaps none better in the world than Glenn Maxwell. True, true. He could become Gary Pratt, uh, even though Gary Pratt's less famous than Glenn Maxwell. Um, I don't know why they threw that in. The Indians actually have improved in fielding though a lot in the last uh, year or so. Some of their slips catching in the recent series against England and New Zealand was quite outstanding, especially the close to the wicket, the spinners. Um, they did. They did drop Cook a number of times though. He had plenty of lives. While they did make, while they did take some spectacular catches, they also put down some sitters, including Virat. Including Virat, yes, it was true. It's not. It's never been a strength of Indian cricket. They've never been uh, uh, an outstanding fielding side. I don't think they've had some individual fielders who were very good. But, yeah, you're right, they have done a lot of work on their fielding. There was a bit of a problem for them uh, towards the end of Sri Lanka in the early part of the Australian summer. They were uh, dropping catches and misfielding, so they've done a lot of work on that. They've uh, been very diligent with their fielding, and you're right, if they've got guys like um, Maxwell, Ashton Agar is another very good fielder who they've got uh, in the sheds yeah. who, could, who could be a super sub, um, and there's not too many weak links. Even the the fast bowlers, you know, Stark and Hazelwood, are pretty athletic in the outfield, yep. so... Um, that could be an X factor, Sam. An X factor in the field. Weaknesses for the Australians, inexperience is definitely one of them. Ten players in this squad have never played a test match in India, and plus a few have never actually been to India before this series. That's so going to be a pretty, pretty tough ask for those guys to perform immediately in, in conditions that they've completely foreign to. Uh, yeah, I think Matt Renshaw is the one that springs to mind. He did say today he'd never been here until he arrived in Bombay, or Mumbai, sorry, uh, last week. It's his first chance to see any of India. He's keen to get out and have a look, but um, yeah, it is completely foreign. If you've he's played under nineteen cricket in Sri Lanka, but even that's different to playing a Test match in India, I would think. So, um, yeah, true. Uh, you wonder whether the you know, people like Peter Hanscom, who haven't played, who's played IPL cricket but not Test cricket, whether how much difference that is, and um, the fact that 
the Indians quite know, know quite a bit about Indian conditions, funnily enough. They yeah. play in them quite a bit, and they haven't been beaten in a test match in India since 2012, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for, that, for those guys who haven't played here. What about the ability to play spin? Rambo, Australia were exposed pretty severely in Sri Lanka by Rangana Harath and his mates. It's going to be probably even tougher against Ashman and Jadeja. I guess if Australia are going to get the results that they're after, they're going to have to come up with some new game plans to play spin bowling. Did you see any of that in Mumbai, even though it was a green pitch against three seam bowlers for India, eh? Um, didn't see a lot of the new game plans, but they certainly handled it the spin that was uh, employed reasonably competently. There was only really one specialist spinner who was a left-arm finger spinner um, who wasn't overly threatening. There was a couple of part-timers um, and their main off-spinner, Gautam, who um, didn't bowl mysteriously because he apparently hurt his hamstring uh, in the mm. field before he's had a chance to take the ball. So they didn't see a lot of spin. Um, but you're right, that, that Sri Lanka series, they were just uh, all over the shop, mentally shot. I think they just couldn't pick which ball, particularly from Herath bowling his left arm finger spin, which one was going to turn, which one was going to slide on. And there's so many of them were bowled LBW to balls that went past the inside of the bat. So yeah. they were playing for spin that wasn't there. And that started to mess with their heads. They were just uh, looking for the balls that were going straight on that suddenly were turning. So one would turn and suddenly they think that that was what's coming at them. And um, whether they've managed to clear their minds and work out you know, the best way of playing that, I guess we'll find out when the test series starts. And on the other side of that, Rambo is spin bowling. Australian spinners, while he's undoubtedly the goat of Australian off-spinners, Nathan Lyons' record in Asia isn't as great as it is in other parts of the world. He averages 43. But okay for Ashton Agar and, and Swepson haven't played any test cricket here in India. But Lyons has been watching a lot of Ravi Ashwin. So who knows? Maybe this might be the series for him and the spinners to turn around. Yeah, true. It's, it's, like, we keep speaking of the challenge. that they um, yeah, There's been a lot being made of Nathan Lyons bowling and that it's so well suited to Australian conditions, obviously, because he's an Australian spinner and he gets a lot of overspin and bounce and that's how he gets wickets and... They did sort of work out by the end of Sri Lanka that they need to attack the stumps more. And Stephen O'Keefe was very good at that. He was uh, that left-arm spinner that they probably um, really needed in the Herath mould until he got injured in the first test uh, at Palakele and had to pull out of the tour. So I think there's a lot riding or a lot of hope that Stephen O'Keefe can provide that um, extra dynamic, the, ex- the option of the ball going the other way and the, the one that slides on. He's been doing a lot of work on that. India's strengths, Rambo, I mean, doesn't get any more blunt than Virat Kohli. He's uh, in a class of his own at the, at the moment. Uh, since July, he scored four double centuries and another 100. As captain, averages 61 with nine hundreds in 37 innings. I guess the plan is to get him cheaply or watch out. There is a theory that uh, you know, Virat is under enormous pressure as captain of India, you know, carrying a 1,000 million people on his quite broad shoulders. Um, if he has carried that burden in the past he's shown no sign of it affecting him I wouldn't have thought he seems to have become an even better player since he's become captain Um, so yeah he's basically he's the guy they have to get out and there is some pretty handy batting in that top six but he's the guy that can not just uh, take the game away from him but take it away from him in a hurry and if he gets going then the crowd gets behind him and everything just seems to momentum swings wildly in favour of the home team and it's pretty hard to pull that back and one of those things about playing cricket in Asia is that uh, you can lose a game much quicker than you can win one. Uh, you can get yep. away from you very, very fast. Ashwin and Jadeja, number one, number two ranked bowlers in the world. I mean, this is the ultimate challenge coming to India, playing against spin bowls and playing against these two. Ashwin's the fastest test bowler, 250 wickets. He's taken 61 wickets in his last nine test matches. And Jadeja, he's his perfect partner, but right arm off spinner Ashwin and the left arm finger spinner. Jadeja, remember that I mean, if Australia can have 
any success, they've got to master these two master bowlers. They do, and uh, apart from their respective skill sets, they, their great strength is they can just keep landing the ball on a, uh, a f- what is it, a five rupee, the very small one? I'm not yeah, sure what it is. changed their currency recently. I'm not sure what's going oh, around these well, days. They can land it on a 100 rupee note, which is still in circulation. Correct. Um, so you don't have to ever worry about getting these loose balls. They can put filters around the bat. They can uh, build pressure because they know that a batsman who's going to have to try and manufacture something to get these guys away to score. And that's, I think, going to be the big difference between the Australian spinners and the, the Indian spinners that often, um, whether you like it or not, you, Nathan Lyon or Steve O'Keefe will probably serve up a four ball. All their bats, their batters are so tuned to spin that they can turn a, a good delivery into a four ball, whereas guys who aren't so confident against spin see every ball landing in a, a dangerous spot and suddenly you know, they start to think, well, how am I ever going to get down the other end? How am I going to get a run? How am I going to manufacture a, a total that can get us back in the game and that's when you start playing at things that aren't there or playing shots that aren't there and um, I think that's the, the great strength of the Indian spin pair. Yeah, uh, their weaknesses, not many Rambo, but one of them, kind of them are clutching at straws here a little bit, is their reliance on Coley somewhat. I mean, he's so inspirational that I'm sure when he score runs, the dressing room and the other batsmen lift with him. In recent times, however, this is a stat for you, however, when he's been dismissed for single figures, India averaged only around 350, which is much uh, lower than their normal 450, 500 totals they've been getting. So I guess they've got to try and get him before he gets 10. Otherwise, uh, look out. Is that just one game that they got him out for single figures? Um, no, I think there's been two or three in yeah. recent times. Yes, yeah, it's, oh, it's just a key wicket, isn't it? So if you'd have to think that if they got him cheaply, um, he's and perhaps they've got one of the others, the openers out cheaply, and suddenly they've got them two for not many. That you, There's a, a domino effect there. The crowd goes a bit quiet. The rest of the dressing room is in unfamiliar territory. Um, you've got a, a sort of up-and-about team, and the Australians have always talked about targeting the captain of the opposition, you know, cutting the head off the snake, which I think was uh, used at some point in the South Africa one-day series, uh, uh, which Australia lost 5-0. So uh, sometimes you know, taking the head off the snake uh, can just make the snake angry. Um, yeah. But yeah, he he is the key wicket. But no matter what the numbers say throughout throughout the Test series, he'll be the guy that figures most prominently in their team meetings and their planning. The DRS Rambo uh, India are still relatively new with it in Test cricket. Sort of in that Virat Kohli era, it's sort of come back in uh, into the fray for them. Uh, so and Kohli is a very instinctive player. So sometimes he just sort of gets that rush of blood in the head. He gets people around him to convince him that it's out. I'm sure every spinner thinks the ball's going to hit in line and going on to hit the wickets. So sometimes he can waste those reviews a little bit. I think the the use of the DRS in this series will be extremely crucial and very, very uh, in- intriguing. Uh, how do you see that playing out with with the, the DRS in what's going to be a thousand appeals both sides, I would have thought? I would have thought the third umpire should be on more money than the two out in the middle, I think, for this series. There's going to be a fair bit of... And it's not just the uh, the people on the field, uh, the captain and the wicketkeeper and whoever's at slip deciding. I think it'll be pretty handy for you know, probably more so the Australian batters because they'll be batting with a lot of guys around the bat. And there's, as we've seen in test matches in this part of the world, you know, there's balls bouncing off thigh pads and shirts and shoulders and you know, people screaming appeals thinking it's a catch and umpires often being thinking they've seen or heard something was the, the chance to review that to show that definitively there was no uh, bat it might be a bit of a, a salvation for some of the Australian batters is that nice to know that they can rely on the technology or call on the technology if need be so they are a bit more au fait with it um, Virat would have seen the one against Bangladesh where they reviewed one that he played off the middle of his bat that dribbled off on the offside and for some reason was they called for review so you can get some howlers you'll be aware of that and uh, Perhaps the team that 
uses it most judiciously might have a small advantage. And finally, on India's weaknesses, the, the, the new venues. This series is going to feature debuts for three test venues in Pune, Ranchi and Dharmashala. Also, well, India have bucket loads of experience playing at home. Doesn't count for much on venues they haven't played test cricket on before. So I guess if we're, uh, we're pulling a long bow here, Rambo, but those three venues might sort of neutralise their home field advantage somewhat. That's right. It would be akin to uh, Sri Lanka turning up and playing Australia at Geelong. Um, and they'd have no hope of winning there, would they? Um, it's India become tourists in their own country to some respect. They go to these venues that they haven't seen before. Uh, and certainly some of them, uh, Dharamshala and uh, Pune particularly, the Australians have seen in the shorter format of the game. You know, there's a few of them here who play for the rising Pune super giant, as it is now. They've lost the plural. They've lost one of their giants. Just one giant? Just the one. Um, to Steve Smith and Mitch Marsh, and uh, I think Usman Khawaja has some knowledge of conditions at Peter the new stadium in Pune. Peter Hanscom. Peter Hanscom from last year. Uh, so th- these aren't unfamiliar to them. Uh, they're probably not unfamiliar to the Indian players, but in test cricket they're an unknown quantity. So, yes, if we're trying to find long bows, that is a long one. Um Ranchi, I know nothing much about other than that it's MS Dhoni's hometown, so he would, I'm sure, fill them in on the conditions there. Um, and Dharamshala, I'm told it will be cold, so it's in, self, in itself is a novelty for cricket in India. Okay, we've gone through the strength and weaknesses, Rambo. Let's get your bold prediction for the series. I'm, I'm going to go first. My bold prediction is Australia will definitely, absolutely, 100% guarantee, certainly win at least one test match. Not sure where it's going to come from. It might be in Pune, might be in Bangalore, Ranchi, maybe up in the cold in Dharmashala, but they're going to win one. They're going to squeeze a squeeze a test victory out somewhere, end the streak of, of losing in Asia. And we'll see, hopefully, in the in the, one of the first couple of test matches so the series is well and truly alive before we get to the north of the country. Well, that is a bold prediction, so I'm not prepared to be that quite that bold. Um, my bold prediction is uh, that we have, might have a test debutant. I'm thinking that... Uh, for Australia? For Australia, yes. Uh, I think Mitchell Swepson might get a, the leg spinner, might get a run in this series. Um, I know he's got some big wraps on him. Um, if they find themselves a test or two down in the series, heaven forbid, um, they might see that as a chance to bring him in, blood him in conditions that uh, would suit his style of bowling, see what he's got at test level. Not that you would ever just trial someone in a test match, but he's clearly here for a reason. They think that he's got what it takes to bowl in test cricket. Um, Darren Lehman's a big fan of leg spin. He loves a leg spinner. He played a lot of his cricket with Shane Warne. Um, and he regards them as match winners. And it's been a while since Australia have had a test leggy of any uh, duration. So uh, I think he might get a chance sometime during this series. Sorry, maybe not in this test. But uh, that's my bold one. That's it for today's episode. Rambo, thank you for your help again, mate. Thank you, uh, we'll be back on deck after each day's play, starting on Thursday wouldn't be anywhere else. Great. But until then, head to cricket.com.au for all the latest news, scores and video from Australia's Qantas Tour of India. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.